0: Thank <laughs> you. and welcome to episode 130 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Styman, Pale Robbie on the Boards. Joining me today is fellow Necromancer enthusiast, Michael Solosi.
1: Hi, Mike Solosi, Monsoon on the Boards. And I, I haven't bought bought the Necro yet, but I really want to. It a, there's just too many games at all times, man.
0: It, it, is, it, it has been an insane year for video games. Yeah, 2017 can, like go to hell with how much it's hurt my wallet and <laughs> there's too many games like there, there's oh God, it's, i'm it's, buying
1: uh, two $80 special editions in september alone
0: my my wallet's sweeping man okay what are those two special editions we're going to judge you here
1: Rapa v3 and east 8
0: okay i can judge you on one of those because you know <laughs> after you've played oh one e- after you've played one east game haven't you played them all Take that back, you slut! Uh, I, somewhere, Derek just got very angry, but he's not here today. He's at Anime Expo, so I get away with it. So, uh, moving on, we have a Happy Canada Day to Steph Sabidlo.
2: will have a
0: dub, dub. Oh God, 150 years of Canadian independence. Correct? Yes,
3: it's wonderful. We have a very lovely country, sort
0: of. You have a very lovely leader. Trudeau is a – he's a handsome We're dude.
3: all of our national resources until, you know, the, the World War III finally happens.
0: I'm just going to imagine that the whole world <laughs> will turn into Mad Max except Canada. Canada's
3: going <laughs> to It'll hard. be a green, lush paradise and the ugly tundra. Yeah, it'll yeah. Yeah. just – they
1: Yeah, they have so many <laughs> freshwater resources that a uh, – uh, an Immorton Joe scenario seems impossible. Seems yeah. impossible.
0: I, I mean, it, it'll just be great up there. It'll be really cold, though, which I'm not a huge fan of. I'm not, Global not
1: climate fan. change, man. It's going to be the only not cold place. It's oh, gonna... okay. Okay,
0: that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it, maybe it'll become temperate? Yeah. Like, maybe it'll be okay. It'll level out. Yeah, it'll
2: be just nice.
0: And then you will hear no objections from him. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back to the podcast. Jesse Wu, everybody.
2: Yeah, those jokes still happening, huh?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 if you were on more regularly, then I would remember that I've made those jokes, and then I would have to come up with new material. But, you know, the classics still fit. They do. I'm
3: really impressed that you come up with so
2: many unique ones.
0: I, I try. I mean, I, it, there, there's a skill to it. I don't really have it, but, you know, I give it the old college try. Jesse, how you doing, sir? Oh, it's great. It's a beautiful day in Seattle. Rainy. You
3: hear the oh, blues are coming time. with pasta salads
0: and scrambled eggs. Oh my God, oh, Fraser oh. A Frazier reference? Really? <laughs> that's that's what we just did. Like you know he um, did that. He was the one doing the scatting in that Frazier. Oh yeah, but like, at, <laughs> oh wow, uh, we have a bunch of people who are well. No, Steph's not thirty. Jesse, you're how old? I'm thirty. Okay, so we got a bunch of thirty year olds here, and Steph, who just turned twenty ish. Let's say that I don't know if you're if you're sensitive about your age, and I realized that as I was making the joke. So, but but happy birthday to you, Steph! Thank you. Yes, you have a birthday. <laughs> your birthday coincides with Canada's national holiday, and that there's wow. something lovely about that. Did you? And have- this
3: time of year, I'm because I'm born this time of year, I'm a cancer.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> Okay, so we got games to talk about. Uh, nothing really hot on the dopic, docket. Dopit? What? Oh, my God. Help me. All right. I'm the gonna... topic docket. No, I don't even know what's going on. Oh, God, Morty. Uh, but, you know, some quick hits today and then, you know, some general thoughts on what's coming up the rest of the year. I want to ask Jesse what he thought of who is slurping right now. What was that? What, 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 what was that?
3: I honestly thought I muted.
0: Oh, my God. Just, just mute yourself before you start eating stuff. Jesus. Okay. But I also want to get people's perspective now that we're a couple of weeks out from E3. And I, I just I don't even know anymore. But I, I just want to get people's thoughts on it. I want to get Jesse's opinions on it because he was uh, not at the show. And I think he got to experience a better show than what we got. Uh, but let's start off with uh, what Mike and I were talking about a little bit at the start. The Necromancer is out for Diablo 3, and all is right with the world.
1: Yeah, that's right. And it's, um, it was a $15 download that gives you um, two extra character slots and access to the male and female Necromancer class. And people are having a lot of fun with it, man. Every video I've seen looks so cool. Uh, um, RPG fan editor-at-large John Tucker has been playing with him a lot and posting videos, and he's real excited I will get to that eventually when I want more Diablo three in my life, which is often. But uh, I, I'm just there's just too many games right now. But I, I will get to that soon.
0: I've put a little bit of time into it. I was in the public test realm for the necro for a little bit, uh, and then I bought the uh, the download. I know a lot of people were kind of scoffing at the price. Um, I would have said maybe ten dollars. I think fifteen is, its it, that—that's a commitment. But you know, still, we're talking like one pizza. It's—it's it's not a huge right. amount of money. <laughs> um,
1: and, I, and I don't think it makes any real world changes. Like, there's there's no new dungeon or anything. But there, no, I, think, no. I think there might be access to necromancer set dungeons.
0: I think the whole thing would have gone better if they had released a full expansion with the necromancer. But Quite I don't sure. know. I don't know what the long-term game plan is for Diablo 3. This might be the last thing that Diablo 3 ever gets. We don't really know. Um, we, have,
1: we have talked about the monetization of Diablo in on this podcast before. And it's. I, I think this is them experimenting. Like, they want to see what kind of demand there is for payable Diablo content. And if this Necromancer pack is really successful, then we could get an expansion or more character packs like this before Diablo 4. But if yeah. it's not, but I, again, this is, this is all, that's all speculation. It's, um, I'm glad that the Necromancer at least seems fun and looks cool. And I, again, I want to, I want to play them. I would totally do another, do a like multiple uh Necromancer run, but Yeah, I haven't played it. Too too many many games. games. I haven't played
0: it yet. He's a really interesting character class. So the Necromancer in uh, Diablo 2 was, I'd like to say, a little passive if you played a a heavy summoner build. Like, you really didn't have to do much. You just kind of stood around and let your army of skeletons tear people up. They made it.
1: you have they, to kill that first monster to get a skeleton though. Yeah, you which, go up and which, whack
0: it with your wand which, and then which, you get that first skeleton.
1: In hell that was a challenge. Like yes, it was. If, <laughs> if you if you started fresh um from like hell act 1, you, sometimes it was really hard to kill that first goat or fallen or whatever to get your skeletons running.
0: They've they've made a very aggressive spellcaster now. Like a uh, corpse explosion is just nutty. Like it is, it, it they've neutered it a little bit. It's not as overwhelmingly powerful as it was in Vanilla Diablo Two, but like when the bodies start hitting the floor, it it yes, go ahead and sing that wonderful anthem from like early two thousand. Uh, but like the when things hit the stop the it, hit the like I'm watching old school WWF right now. It's terrible. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus! And so like then you just start blowing up corpses people die super fast like the necro can wipe out a mob in like a second it is really, really fun. I know there's been a little bit of pushback from some people saying that he seems a little too powerful, uh, but I, I think the oh, do- <laughs> well, I think the Diablo philosophy of of like, well, don't neuter a character class, make the other ones better, is the best policy. Like, I, I think that was their guiding principle for Diablo three, and that's one of the reasons why that game is so damn fun. And I go back to every other loot game that I've tried to play in a post Diablo three world has felt very creaky and very old. Like all of those games like Path of Exile, Torchlight 2, they're all fine, but they're all trying to make Diablo 2 again. And I think there was something to be said for Diablo 3, making a very visceral, you know, isometric action RPG that still feels great. I mean, when you bust out Disintegrate as a wizard, that is an awesome feeling where you just just kamehameha like everything all around. It is... Uh, to be fair, it took a while to get to that point. It really did. No, it did. I mean, that game had significant problems when it first came out. But, you know, by the time they put the adventure mode in and then with the Reaper of Souls expansion, and what did Steven used to say on the podcast? Like, if this was EA, we would have been on Diablo 6 by now. And- yeah, it's
1: it, it was re- it's really the Reaper of Souls that is when Diablo 3 got good. and. And, and you're right comparing it to Diablo 2. Like, Torchlight 2 is a better Diablo 2. And Diablo 3 yeah. is its own just brand of awesomeness. And when you have the greater rifts in adventure mode in the expansion, it, it, it almost turns into an arcade game. Just, like, speed-clearing dungeons and uh, and finding the most fun and varied builds and you don't have to, you know, make a new character to try a new build. It, it Like, like the, the, the final evolution of, of Diablo 3 is one of the most fun games of its kind I've ever played. We did an entire retro encounter about it last year.
0: Yeah, and and the console versions are great. I mean, they, they really made a great console uh, action RPG. If I was living in a dorm still, like, back in college, I would definitely own that, and we would be having drunken Diablo 3 nights, like, all the time. Uh, it is a very, very special game. I would, if we're going to move forward with Diablo three as a product, if that, if this is very successful and they say, Hey, we could, you know, do little mini things. I, I always go back to the fact that Diablo three has some of the most interesting lore that that Blizzard has ever made with one of the worst stories ever written in video games. Like Diablo 3's story is dog shit. It's terrible. But the <laughs> lore around the story, like the idea of like people going insane and like hearing Diablo like speaking to them at night, like very Lovecraftian esque horror, that's really that's, really good.
1: I mean that that's blizzard in a nutshell though. Like yeah, like, like the, the the stories and narratives of almost all of their games are real weak, but they they create so much lore and so much of it's really cool that you know, uh, I mean, there's novels and novels and graphic novels about all of it. And yeah. even, even though, like, the, like their cutscenes are always cool and sometimes their plot, the plot points and plot twists are cool. I think that that analysis applies to all of Blizzard. Really cool lore, really weak stories.
0: Yep, and, and who would have thought uh, a uh, a hero falls from grace and becomes evil in almost every Blizzard storyline. I'm waiting for somebody to become the Arthas of Overwatch. Like, it, it's such a played-out trope. I mean, Medivh,
1: Medivh did that in Warcraft 1 before Arthas did that in Warcraft 3.
0: Oh, it just, it really, and then you have Kerrigan, then you have the Dark Wanderer, then you have, uh, uh, what's In, Diab- her face in, in
1: Diablo 1, you might even, maybe Leoric, sort of.
0: Yeah, it it just – it really bums me out because, like, I have all that supplemental material for Diablo 3, like the Book of Cain, the Book of Tyrael, which go into all of the lore. I remember listening to uh, the same guy who, who plays uh, Campbell in Metal Gear Solid narrate the lore of Diablo 1. Like, th- that is – it's so creepy and dark and, like –
1: Diablo 1 was maybe the first game I ever played that had collectible uh, audio lore.
0: Yeah, and it was – and it was really creepy. And like, I think almost to an extent Diablo has to be told like a fable, like have it be narrated instead of like characters talking about the fact that they're going to go fight Diablo. Like there's just something that needs to be worked on a little bit there. And I would really, really like Blizzard to, to kind of challenge themselves in a narrative sense, because that's the one thing that I keep coming back to Diablo. Like I fired up the story mode again, just to see what it was like to hear the Necromancer's voice actor. And I'm like, Oh my god, this is so bad. Like just so terribly bad. And it, it's a bummer, but overall Diablo 3 is still one of the best action RPGs you can play. A wonderful addition if you if you have friends that want to co op either online or on a couch. It's really, really good, Steph. You should play it. You should play it.
3: Okay really good <laughs> i'm not gonna play it why I, I, I really want to i just don't have the time right now and there's just
1: way too many games
0: yeah too many games And it, it is hard to go and back Ste- to. The and games. steph's steph's busy like uh making bank uh
1: drawing anime avatars for people
0: that's true uh-huh. that's true Persona avatars i don't, I don't want to know how much she charges I, I was thinking about it and i yeah. was like no no you have no.
3: to ask you can't afford it
0: i no. damn <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm poor i'm poor i know i know bought that nintendo switch i'm poor <laughs> uh so yeah diablo 3 necro lots and lots of fun definitely great uh i guess the big news that we had in the past week is uh nintendo wants to make money again and they've decided to i know hold on hold on to your hats because i'm gonna blow them off because nobody saw this one coming they're making a snes classic Oh,
3: really, really cruel and brilliant to lock away the uh, unreleased Star Fox 2 thing on there, too. That is Mm -hmm. so
0: that's the one thing that that, that's the one thing that kind of made me like perk up a little bit was like, oh, that's kind of neat. I mean, apparently Star Fox 2 was complete. And the story from Nintendo is that they didn't want that game released right alongside the Nintendo 64 because it was right at the end of the Super NES life, uh, life cycle. I I hope that that can maybe give way to, like, oh, I don't know if Capcom was working on a remake of Resident Evil 2. How nutty would it be if they went in and just finished the original version of of Resident Evil 2 and released it on disc with it? Like, just do crazy stuff like that. Like, show me prototypes of games that have been canceled. Like, that's really cool, but I just... This SNES classic, I, I... I just want them to do the virtual console thing. Like just I want to play all these games on my Switch and this I, I know why they're doing this because there is a market for this sort of thing. You can walk into a Bed Bath and Beyond and find one of those Sega Genesis emulators where they have it just like It sucks
3: that the scalpers are going to be all over that oh and I they know. already it's are gonna, and it's already it's gonna be disgusting.
0: It's going to be disgusting because they they've said they're only going to uh, ship the thing for 2017 as of right now.
1: But they also said they were going to make more model, production models than the NES Classic had.
0: I know. It's but
3: vague. It's vague, would, and it's coming out of Nintendo.
0: <laughs> Nintendo has done so much right. I mean, we were coming out of an E3 where they announced two Metroid games. Like, I am officially in love with with Nintendo again. But, like, I would just prefer them to... Get the virtual console up and running on the uh, on the Switch. I mean, how awesome would it be if you had like a proof of purchase of a NES Classic or a SNES Classic, and they just said like I don't know in January. Oh, if you have one of these, then you would now have all those games on your Switch.
1: Do you think um, it's possible that say in 2018, sometime after they're no longer selling? Um, on markets, NES classics. Would they add Star Fox to huh. to to a Switch Virtual Console?
3: I wouldn't I be surprised if somebody does try to like rob it from the cart or whatever. I also think it's still pretty crazy to charge eighty dollars for something people can so easily emulate. I know that's not a good yeah. thing to talk about, but <laughs> God, it's not even like all the games that people would really, really want. I mean, I, I love think, Kirby I Superstar, but Kirby's Dream Course does not need to be there.
1: Okay, Kirby's Dream Course is maybe an outlier, but I I think it has most of the games that people would want there. Like, I mean, if I was nitpicking, of course I would want Act Razor and Chrono Trigger. Yeah, how does this thing uh, have
0: Chrono Trigger? uh, That that feels
1: like a crime. And uh, no no, (laughs) no Ninja Turtles, no Final Fight, which basically is me
0: saying that I want to beat him up on it. Well, I mean, uh, Konami doesn't... Like money anymore. Well, they don't like video. No, no. Sorry, sorry. They like pachinko money, and they like their they like their sexy pachinko games uh, with sexy horror action or whatever the Castlevania game was. I'm, I'm
1: not. I don't want to be negative about it. I, if I were to get my hands on one, which is unlikely but possible, I would. I would play. To? I'd play Mega Man X and Street Fighter. I, I thought you were so talking. So annoying but
3: it's almost like a lottery to actually have that thing. I, uh, it I frustrates me get, so much.
1: I did manage to get a, a NES Classic. Did you? Yeah. I did. I gave it. I but the thing is, I I wanted. I ordered one on Amazon now to see if it, it, to see if the service worked and I could actually get one. So I got one and didn't really want it because I mean the NES Classic. I figured, oh, I'd play Mario three and Mega Man two and then never open it up ever again. So I, I gave it to a friend that really did want one as a as a Christmas present that, last year. But uh, I mean, if I could get a NES Classic, maybe I could get a SNES Classic because this is the machine I'm much more interested in. Yeah, if you Jackie- do,
3: I will drive down there just to play, mm-hmm. like, some player co-op shit.
1: We'll, we'll clearly have to play some Kirby's <laughs> Dream Force and Street Fighter 2. Yay!
0: I mean, Jackie managed to snag a NES Classic the last day they had them at Walmart. She got up at, like, 4 in the morning, drove over to uh, Best Buy. They got the last ones in. She was so damn happy, but I, I'm just looking at her like, there should be an easier way to play these games. And, you yeah. know, there are there are nefarious ways of playing those games, But, like, why – again, I'm going to rub it in Steph's face a little bit because she played a lot of my Switch that first day at E3. (laughs) She just, like, cornered the market on my Switch. And, like, is that not, like, the sexiest video game device? And wouldn't you love to have all of these games there?
3: I honestly, yeah, I think it's absolutely nonsense, their entire selling tactic. I mean, you want people to play honestly, then – make it available. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> I and, think and it's the, a cute little gimmick, too, to actually make, like, a miniature version of the original console. So that's that's sweet. But, I mean, if you're going to have these games more readily available, the virtual console is pretty damn slow.
1: And also, the virtual console for a SNES game is uh, around 8 bucks, and for a NES game, I think it's 5 or 6 So, mm-hmm. like, the, uh, the, the value of the NES Classic and SNES Classic I don't think it's bad cuz like 30 games for 60 bucks on the NES or 20 games for 80 bucks for the SNES is better than the a la carte pricing on the virtual console and as a as an appliance we're even treating it like a toy sort of the the classic consoles are cute and sort of neat and there's and some people would attach value to that i don't think they're a bad idea i do agree that i wish the service was better and i wish the virtual console was better to you know give us access to these games but I, i'm not opposed to what the, those two classic console devices are, and I kind of want a SNES Classic.
3: Never, yeah, I'll never be upset at it. I just hate the rarity. It's <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, The scarcity of them is a little is frustrating and borderline offensive. <laughs> I, I would have really liked if they released like some kind of Amazon Fire or what? What's that Amazon thing that you plug into your TV? It's not the Fire, is it? No, no, it? it's a Kindle Fire TV. I think. Okay, yeah, like give me one of those damn things where you would then at the first year hear all your NES games. The next year you can pay oh, is, the eighty is, bucks is, uh, and. I think, it's just, I, think it's,
1: I think it's just a Fire TV, not a Kindle Fire TV, my bad. Yeah,
0: but, but like, you get what I'm saying. Like, something that you could plug in that would then – you could download the games or something. It just – you know, I, again, you're making the cute, kitschy little NES or SNES, and I agree with with you guys. It's very cute, but, like, functionally, it's a pain in the ass.
1: I think that's what Sony was going for when they put in the Vita TV. Yeah. Because they, they wanted a uh, – a media device that also had a lot of games available for download on it but it wasn't it wasn't successful because the vita library is a little weak and not all, and not and uh, excuse me less than the entire vita library was on the vita tv but if if, if one of the big game companies made a devi- made a media device like that with an enormous library at reasonable prices all of us would lose our damn minds and uh, and and love the thing but instead we're getting these you know, incomplete versions of that. The Vita TV didn't have enough games. The uh, these these uh, NES and SNES Classic devices don't don't have enough games and I don't think have the uh, I don't think they're equipped to add new games either. Like right. the, which is cuz if if they launched the SNES Classic as a device with a some some size of hard drive on it and then they released a couple games for it every month that had like a $5 pack to download more, I would I would buy one and spend money on it every month if the games are all right. And the SNES library is amazing, so they—they they, I think they could do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd be down for that. and I just...
1: It's not what we get. It's not what, we're, what it's going to be.
0: No, and and this feels like we're all waiting to see Nintendo get its act together with the Switch and its virtual console. Uh, the plans that they've put forward were like the 20 bucks a year, and they're going to do like a Netflix-style hey, we're going to add games, and you're always going to have this library of games. That could turn out to be something really special, but if it's a bunch of NES games that nobody really wants to play, like if they had Chrono Trigger day and date with the the virtual console release on Switch. That would be a huge statement. Like Nintendo has the back catalog to really make this work. And this even further shows that the one company that's doing a really, really good job of backwards compatibility stuff. It's Xbox, and that kind of blows for me because there aren't a lot of games I want to play, but, like, if Sony would get their act together and make it so I could finally play my PlayStation 3 games that I bought again on the PlayStation 4, like, how nuts is it that I can't do that? That would be amazing, like, I I would, or or even even just PlayStation 2 games, for God's sake. Like, I bought both of the original Fatal Frame games because I really wanted to play them, but, like, they're locked into my PlayStation 3. I can't play them on my PlayStation 4. How nuts is that right now? Like... And this is going to lead to a great deal of piracy because you have enthusiasts who are going to want to preserve these games and make it so you can always play them. And that's what's going to drive the emulation market. I mean, I I hate to say that, but it's true. If it's easier for a pirate to play Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne on their PC because it's a real Hmm. pain in the dick to play it on their PlayStation 3 and they can't do it on their PlayStation 4, that's what they're going to do. Like, I'm still heartbroken that my original PlayStation 3 died. I'm still upset over that. Like, losing that backwards compatibility on PlayStation 2 sucked. Like, I felt horrible about that. And I really, you know, hopefully with this new console architecture, the PlayStation 5, whatever the hell that turns out to be, will be backwards compatible with the PlayStation 4. They've basically made these things into PCs now. Hopefully they've they've had some foresight to do that. But it's going to lead to massive emulation. I mean, why do you think NES and SNES games are so heavily emulated? It's because it's a pain in the dick to get those games otherwise. So
3: Yep.
0: <laughs> I'm not mad about S- I'm not mad about the SNES classic. I just, you know, I'm looking for things to play on my Switch. And if you if you gave me like an eighty dollar download to buy all of those games and just have them on my Switch, I would do it. That would be
3: nice, actually. I actually even wonder, like, if they actually did do, like, even, like, a $60 kind of multi-gaming pack, a whole bunch of game companies have already done something similar. Yeah, Yeah.
1: you can buy buy Sega packs like that on on Steam. Yeah, that's
3: a great idea, and I hate the fact that Nintendo is just seemingly against making money a lot of the time. And yeah. I
1: mean I mean I mean and Rob's thoughts on backwards compatibility I think are shared by a lot of people because I mean when you look at it the, uh, the I think the the best selling standalone console of all time is still the PS2 and that was that was the first console to have major backward compatibility a- accessible like the fact that the PS1 was such a strong selling console and every PS2 can play 99% of PS1 games I think because I think like Tekken Three and some other weird exceptions still crash on the PS2. Like that was a major selling point of it that Microsoft and Nintendo lacked in that generation. And yeah. the fact the fact that not every console is supporting full backwards compatibility right now feels like um, a, a selling point that they that they're ignoring and 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 not serving a population that wants that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and maybe we're all outliers, and we just want to play old games. And I, I, think there's some, there's some aspect of that. You know, some gamers only want to play the newest game. They don't want to go back into the back catalog. That's fine. But in terms of game preservation, it is really important to have backwards compatibility. It really, really is to be able to go back and and play these games, and to have a history of games. I mean, think about you know the silent movie era. What is it like? Eighty percent of those movies, or like ninety percent of those movies, are gone. Like they were never, they were never uh, restored. They were never held in high regard. They the, were just the, the, Yeah, the
1: very first movie, the um, the early recording of Frankenstein that like Thomas Edison had a role in, is uh, is most only has a surviving clip. And uh, like, uh, I mean, I've, I've heard of famous silent movies like the Eric von Stroheim Greed McTeague adaptation that are considered classics of the genre that don't survive because that they didn't have good ways of preserving film back then. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I mean, and, uh, and I mean, I mean, just think of how much history is lost. Even I'm going to go, even I'm going to go thousands of years back. There's only four survive. There's only works from uh, surviving works from four of the Greek playwrights. And spoiler alert, there were more than four Greek playwrights, but we only no. have, what? <laughs> but we only have works from those four because they didn't have a good way of recording. And, uh and
3: Am i the only one who gets like a, a- Am I the only one who gets like a small case of the blues and thinking that I'll never be able to play some of my favorite games again <laughs> just because yeah,
0: no, of that? I'm, 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 no, I'm right there with It's scary.
1: It's like um it, when I'm when I'm old and and really want nostalgia from my youth, I don't know if I'll be able <laughs> to go back. I don't know if I'll be able to go back and play. Oh, I don't know. What's something weird on like the PS One? Uh, uh, Soul Blade ever again. <laughs>
0: Jumping if Flash 2. Command and Conquer on the PlayStation 1. You all played it.
3: Hercules, the video game, the oh, Disney God. video game.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, so. I just want to watch the opening
1: anime video to Wild Arms 1. That's all I want. But I Woo! won't be able to. Oh, I can't.
0: There it is. There it is. <laughs> yes, the game we were all playing until Final Fantasy Seven. Stop it! <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I, was,
1: I, I apologize to everyone. Maybe you'll let it down.
3: Hey, no, we streamed that today, so...
1: Oh, no,
0: nice. You got to keep it in. You got to keep it in. Uh, <laughs> Steph, are we still going to do Dark Steph? Are we still going to stream this? I are would we,
3: love to. Hey, uh, I got more time these days, so yeah.
0: Oh, God. This is going to be <laughs> did, really Do did, did you finish Tales of Stephonia?
3: No, not yet.
0: Okay. (laughs) The the plan is for Steph to play Dark Souls and me to help guide her through it.
3: I.e. yell at me and tell me everything I'm doing wrong. (laughs) I
0: really don't know which one to start with, though. Like, if we start with one, you're going to get so angry. (laughs) It's going to be really, really bad. But three is, is very playable. That's the thing. Like, three is the easiest to play. So, I don't know. That... I also think I need to have a lot of scotch on hand for that, because it's going to kill me to try to cut you through
3: it. <laughs> I really look forward to this. It's gonna, there's going to be tears, there's going to be blood, and there's going to be a lot of apologizing. And
0: Yeah, you know. th- th- you're just going to be apologizing to whatever you're trying to kill. <laughs> just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. man! I'm so I'm sorry! sorry. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so the SNES classic, it's, it's interesting. I just... I really want them to get their switch together, just because like the switch. <laughs> still, I know, I know. The switch still doesn't have Netflix, which pisses me off. Oh, that's weird. Like I, I, I want that to have Netflix because then that will be my official next Netflix this like is, player. Was wasn't
1: the wasn't the usage rate of Netflix extremely high on like the PS3, PS4, Wii, Wii U? All I believe so. Like I mean, I, I, my my PlayStation.
3: Oh, a... oh, go ahead. I got. I got a really awful anecdote. and I, Okay, so I used to work at EB Games. Oh and uh, I, I Sorry, went are you going to go into a week. dark place? <laughs> I, I went last week to see if they had any switches. They did. And my old boss was there. And I guess my old boss didn't like me, but I went to go get my wallet in my car, and he didn't hold it for me. And it oh, sold
0: while well. I was gone. Oh, man. <laughs> I
3: was so cheap.
0: Oh, what a dick. Oh, oh we hate that guy. <laughs> I, I, I had <laughs>
1: I have, I have a good GameStop story to balance this out that happened to me a few yeah. days ago. <laughs> um, I was going into GameStop right after work on Friday to pick up Tokyo Xanadu, and I was, uh, there, there was a small line. And the kid ahead of me in line was buying um, the, the, re- the remade Crash Bandicoot collection thing. And uh, he was something like $1.80 short or something. So uh, I, I hear him like talk about it and say that he, you know, he would have to walk home because he was a, you know, he was a kid that had like biked there or something. And so I have a couple bucks in my wallet. And I just give him two bucks and said, "Hey, don't worry about it. Go ahead and just pick up your game." And he was really happy and thankful. Hey. And then, and then as he was leaving, he gave me two fidget spinners
0: <laughs> <Aww>.
1: <laughs> that, that I that I did not ask for or or need because apparently teenagers these days just have backpacks full of fidget spinners. He he rummaged around this backpack that seemed like it was full of the damn things. So now I have a, a one of those little three-pointed ones and a little batarang fidget
0: spinner.
3: Oh, cute. <laughs> Man, totally um, off-topic, but I was so disappointed by the fidget cube. That thing does not fit nicely in your hand. It just makes <laughs> me more anxious.
0: No, we have them. Uh, we have two of them, and I, I thought, you know, it's kind of interesting, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, Does it destroy the anxieties no it doesn't because i don't really have anxieties i just nap like if i'm just sitting around and there's nothing to do <laughs> i just sleep uh i guess so my funny anecdote story is we're all sharing funny anecdote stories is uh jackie and i actually turned into a switch commercial at one point so we went to the uh the live uh, philadelphia man center uh performance of the return of the king with a live orchestra which was really intense like that that was out of control crazy uh but at the intermission i had brought my switch and jackie was like hey can we just play mario kart and we were close enough to like the stage where we could just put the switch on the stage And so we just busted out the two controllers, put the little console right up there, and we were playing Mario Kart at the man. And that was just this really cool moment, but I was also sitting there having this nightmare scenario of like, God damn it, this is exactly what Nintendo wants us to do. Like, somebody's (laughs) going to take pictures of this and post it online and be like, look at these nerds. And it's like, no, no, no. Why would
3: they say that if it's Nintendo doing it?
1: Well, I mean, someone's going to say, look at these nerds, and then everyone else watching is going to be like, damn, man, they're playing Mario Kart wherever
0: the hell they damn want to play Mario Kart. And and, and And, and to
3: be fair, I thought you guys are nerds right to your face.
0: (laughs) But it was really neat. Like, it really does show that that console, its core gimmick really does work. The portability and the being able to go anywhere, or like, I'm sitting there and playing Cave Story, and first off... I, I still don't understand why people really love Cave Story. I I I beat it, and it's it's neat. I just don't I don't understand the love of that game.
1: I always thought that La, La Mulana be was like that, like La Mulana is a better version of Cave Story. Yeah, but,
0: but La Luma, La Mulana, you need like an atlas to play that right. goddamn game. Like, <laughs> like it is crazy uh but like i'm playing it and uh you know jackie says hey i want to watch tv and i can just you know lift console out and start playing it and i'm just going to keep talking about how this is saving my marriage because it is really really important <laughs> for people to understand that this core gimmick works so damn well and i i know uh the next uh game from the binding of isaac people the end is nigh is coming out on the switch and i'm just looking to play anything on the damn thing right now just because of how convenient it is
1: it that reminds me of my Vita thirst around maybe last year or so where any Vita release was enticing just because I love playing things in the Vita so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's but, green, that's honestly twenty seventeen has been better to the Vita than twenty sixteen is, which is, you know, fine by me. I'm I'm buying like four Vita games this year.
0: I just always found that when I played a PSP game on the Vita, though, it looked really blurry. Like I, Final Fantasy Tactics was like it was hard to read the text in that game. It was so damn blurry. And I I,
1: I recently finished uh, Trails in the Sky second chapter on the Vita, and it and it was fine, but. I don't know, yeah. I don't know maybe they were maybe that I was stretching so the screen
0: there are so many different options. maybe I just had the screen stretched incorrectly, like I did that with uh Resident Evil Two when I was playing it on the Vita and then i I switched it back to like the regular normal t v aspect ratio and that was a lot better uh, man, how salty do you think Sony is that Nintendo basically took their idea with the Vita and just made it better like they like they got the <laughs> as you were saying they got like the vita t v thing to work. They got the screen, which it is a very sexy screen. It's big. That's the only main complaint I have about the Switch is it is a pain in the ass to play on, like, a plane. Because it is just a a little – it's a little big. Makes it a little uncomfortable. But it is a really, really impressive console. And I'm going to keep saying that on this podcast over and over again because it's really awesome. As you should. I know. Anyway. You'll get your Switch soon, Steph. Just relax. But that guy's a dick. That guy's a dick. (laughs) <laughs> oh, my Lord. All right, so, Mike, uh, Tokyo Xanadu. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
1: I have been interested in this game for almost two years. It came out in Japan in late 2015. And, I've, uh, and I have and I even imported the soundtrack because I was really excited for that game mm-hmm. as it was coming out in Japan. And it's finally in my hands. Axis uh, is um, localizing both versions of the game. The Vita one just came out a couple days ago. And the PS4 version, which is enhanced, has some extras. Is uh, coming out in the fall alongside a Steam release of the PS4 version. So, but I'm playing the Vita version, the original one. Now I'm about three hours in or so, and um, it's all right. <laughs> it's I, I I'm not disappointed by it because I'm just finally playing the damn thing, and I knew I sort of would like it no matter how good or bad it was. But it, it it's it has like a east adjacent action combat that has more of a third person over the shoulder cam to it. And it has uh its visuals and setting and gimmicks and everything unrelated to combat. I mean, insert your own persona joke here because it is so much persona three and four in in, in mm-hmm. everything you do outside of combat that it's a little it's a little weird. Like it's it's um you're a bunch of high school students that travel to another world to defeat demons that are slowly entering the real world. You fight in your school uniforms, there's an idol girl and a delinquent kid and a martial arts girl uh you can deepen your bonds with certain classmates by uh hanging out with them between dungeons there you have free time segments that where you hang out with people like this there's you explore the city and the school a lot in between major story beats it's it's diet but, persona it really is but is, is it written
2: as well as persona like do no. you actually want <laughs> to spend time with those characters it's the characters are all right
1: like um uh the the main character is he does part time jobs all the time, and his his gimmick is kind of he's uh he's a little bit sick of everyone else's crap, <laughs> but uh and and he's a he's he's a voice protagonist and not a, a silent protagonist, and the characters are okay, but the, I mean the real strength of the Persona games, the, especially the recent ones, is the writing and the dialogue, and this is not at that level. This is like a C plus B minus version of a Persona story. But the, com- the the combat's all right, and there's a lot of stuff to do, and I'm mostly enjoying myself, especially since I'm still pretty early in the game. So they're uh, they're introducing new new activities and new tasks and new wrinkles to battle every time I do a new section. I'm I'm in the beginning of chapter three for any listeners that are playing, but uh, it, I like it. It's not bad, but I'm not going to say it's I'm not going to say it's great. It's like a seven and a half, eight out of ten kind of game. And it's uh, it, the story and visuals and gimmicks feel like Persona Light. Mm. So mm. yeah, that, that that's my early impressions of Tokyo Xanadu, which I will continue playing to the end. I think it's it, there's there's no deal breakers on it that make me want to quit, and I'm, I'm not I'm not close to wanting to stop playing. But it's I'm I don't want to I don't want to overhype it if that makes sense.
0: You said Persona 3 and Persona 4. How does it feel in a post-Persona 5 world? Does that make it feel kind of antiquated? Um, well, no,
1: because the, the games play so much differently. This is an action-y combat system with, uh, you know, timed dodges and character switching and uh, and special moves and, and, um, and aerial combat. It's, it, it feels like a, uh, like a slightly less, um, like almost as good as like the best East games in terms of combat. It's mm-hmm. it's similar to East, but the camera is different, and the controls are okay. I don't, I don't think it's as good as like a, as a really great East game in terms of combat. But I mean, what Persona Five does with its uh, with its themes and tones, and having really good dialogue, and how damn stylish the game is, it does not hit any of the Persona Five high notes. Tokyo Xanadu. Mm-hmm. And and again, like I don't hate anyone in the cast, and the dialogue's not bad. It's just it feels a little. It feels okay. And the reason I'll play the Persona games for eighty plus hours each is because the dialogue and characters are significantly better than okay.
0: You're not selling me on this.
1: I know, I know, I don't. yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, 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 I don't. The thing is, I like it a lot, but I was anticipating this game for two years, and I have a biased perspective, and I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to uncloud. My, you know, my my rosy vision I have for what I wanted this game to be, but I think it ha- it's it's not bad, and there's a lot of good parts, but it's um it's not everything I wanted it to be. And if you were to accuse it of persona mimicry, I wouldn't
2: disagree necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not necessarily bad to like. No, no, exactly. Yeah, it works, but so, certainly so better like-
3: than Occupy's beat's attempt at that.
1: <laughs> I, I would rate Tokyo Xanadu more highly than Akiba's Beat or Akiba's Strip, but uh, I think that maybe Falcom was trying to create a new franchise with this because uh, I mean they, they've like the first Xanadu game, which was a very pioneering, important action game in 1985, was one of their earliest successes, and they and, and Tokyo Xanadu came out on the 30th anniversary of Xanadu One, and I think maybe they were trying to make a game that was less fantasy and more urban and sort of maybe maybe make a new franchise with Tokyo Xanadu and continue with a urban flashy RPG with this one but I'm I'm not sure if it was successful I don't know if it was successful enough to go forward with that because the game is the game is okay but it's not lighting anyone's world on fire and that's justified I think
2: hmm. So are there there's no like one thing that it does like really well that like you're like, okay, like, this is why I'm playing this game.
1: You know, there really isn't.
2: <laughs> it's,
1: oh. it's, it's a bunch of gimmicks that are all okay, but if, it, um, if you wanted, like, even staying within Falcom, if you wanted a good story and characters, I would recommend one of the recent Trails games. And if you wanted really cool action and giant boss fights, I would recommend an East game. And if you wanted a, if stepping outside of Falcom world, if you wanted a game set in a modern Japanese city, with, uh, with great characters and set in a school atmosphere, I would recommend any Persona game other than Persona 1. <laughs> and I, also, I think there might be some Persona references in there. So there's a uh, there's an old man named Yamaoka in the coffee shop in Tokyo Xanadu, and there was a very similar-looking old man butler named Yamaoka in Persona 1. So I wonder if that's a knowing reference or not. Hmm. But I also I also should mention um the game is not dubbed it's it's in Japanese language but the, with uh, with full English translated text and there's a lot of voice work there's like a, an alarming almost every major scene is voiced it's a it's a huge amount of Japanese voice work and uh the the main girl is voiced by the lady that voices Zelda in uh, Breath of the Wild but uh yeah this isn't this is an all right Japanese RPG that does a lot of things Good, but nothing excellent, and it doesn't. I don't know if it stands out in a major way. But I'm enjoying it, and I'm going to continue play it to play it. Mm-hmm.
3: I do like that they're making like uh, strides to kind of do a revamped sort of director's cut version, though, for the PS4. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe yeah. they kind of took some of those criticisms. I'm not too sure what part of it it's going to address, but if you know if it makes the experience better, I think that's pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, the um the PS4 version is the one that they had at E3, and uh, they, it it wasn't in English at all. It was only Japanese, and it was only the first dungeon. But it uh, it controlled a little better than this one and looked good. But um, I, again, it's it's an it's an, it's a pretty good action action RPG with a lot of trappings. The uh, and I like it a lot, but I think I'm probably gonna overrate it relative to say other RPG fan people. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it is being played for review by another staff member, but um, but uh, I, I I don't know how far along he is.
3: Ah, we know it's a he.
1: It's well, it's 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 Roro, but it's Rob Rogan. But I don't.
0: I uh, he and I haven't talked much about it. Well, I'm skipping this one. <laughs> yeah, There's too many other games to play, I man. I feel bad for Tokyo Xanadu because it sounds like there's just no room for this kind of 7.5 in the middle of a release calendar that has been mildly insane this year.
1: Yeah, I I would not stop playing. Persona Five, or
0: Near Automata, or Breath of the
1: Wild to fire up Tokyo Xandu.
0: Did you play Breath of the Wild, Solosi? No,
1: no. Okay, I don't have. A, I don't own a Wii U or a Switch.
0: I'm I'm looking forward to your thoughts on Breath of the Wild, and not because I'm trying to get an entire army together of people that hate that game. Because no, I don't hate it either. But like. <laughs> It's just very interesting, like watching people's responses to the DLC. Like, I have zero desire to buy the DLC for Breath of the Wild.
3: I've heard the new DLC is incredibly difficult to, like, yeah, obnoxiously I mean, so. Like, they put a Lionel like right in the starting area that you have to walk around.
0: Yeah, they're not fun to fight. Like, I yeah. what was the thing you were telling me at E3, Steph? That like the the whole uh, like the flurry. So- yeah, yeah. Explain yeah. That so to allegedly, me again. I was drunk. I couldn't. Rem- I couldn't <laughs> understand what you were trying to tell me.
3: So no, allegedly, there's a guy who did a pretty in-depth analysis of Breath of the Wild, and what he noticed is that uh, the flurry rush thing that happens, where everything goes slow mo and you can pull off a whole bunch of attacks, like a lot of games are wanting to do now, uh, apparently it'll only activate for an attack that would have missed anyways. Mm-hmm. So that's there- what he says, and he hopes he's it's he's wrong, and so do I, quite frankly. Uh, but yeah, cause that would be, I, I feel like the combat should have been way more finely tuned for a game that, you know, is as difficult as it is.
0: Yeah. It, there were a lot, it, it actually makes sense to me because there were times where I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. How did I not dodge that? Like I couldn't get a feeling for whether or not Link had invincibility frames. Yeah. Uh, just and like I was tried
3: to figure it out and trying to get better at combat, but it never worked. Um, apparently they made the timing for the guardians a bit different too. Like, uh, the beam flashing. Oh God. <laughs> uh, everything is basically up to class. So, uh, like originally red, uh, enemies are now bumped up to a level higher. So now they're blue, black is turned to white, etc. They have like these kind of floating areas where like enemies can attack you from above.
0: Yeah. None of that was the, the best part of Breath of the Wild was the exploration.
3: Yeah, so I feel this kind of makes it just even more of a stressful game to play, and I don't want that.
0: No, and I I did not like the – some of the combat scenarios were really cool in Breath of the Wild. Like, the first time you find one of those, like, skull camps and, like, you knock out a lantern to, like, light everybody on fire and blow them up. That was really cool the first time I did it, but then realizing that, oh, I got 10 rupees for doing that, and now all my equipment's busted, and now I'm really pissed off at this damn game, like – the best part of that game is the exploration. And I think doubling down on the combat part of the game is a real mistake. Like that doesn't, that's not the part that they should have been interested in. Like if they gave you a whole new like continent, or like just a piece of land, like one of those strips that'd that be cool. Like that would have been the right way to go about doing it. Or I don't know, a good thing. Like even as
3: is, like I don't find like dungeon trials really that interesting.
0: No, I I think there is a whole lot in that game that is mechanically very impressive, but I don't know that it adds up to a whole lot. Like so I So like
3: I'm basically gonna I wanna get it just so I could get the whole season pack like some of the new armor is pretty cool and it's got cool effects. Uh, But also, too, I still wish there was a bunch of other tweaks they did, like equipped all armor of the same set, you know, or petting a dog. I just want to pet a dog.
0: Yeah, (laughs) the the pet dog option needs to be in there. And again, I don't don't want people to think that I'm crapping all over Breath of the Wild. Like, I still really enjoyed that game, but I think much the same way that, like, I came out of Witcher 2 or Witcher 3 with, like, a, hey, this is, like, an 8.5 for me. I kind of feel the same thing about Breath of the Wild, where I'm like, mechanically, there are some things that I really don't like. I don't think the 100 shrines are a good substitute for classic Zelda dungeons, and I think the four dungeons that are in the game are pretty bad. Like, those dungeons are... they're all exactly the same, they use exactly the same mechanics, and you can beat them in any order which is impressive on the one hand but if i want to play a zelda game i'm probably going to pick up uh, a link between worlds before breath of the wild
1: i love a link between so
0: much i, I, I love <laughs> i love a link between worlds and i think breath of the wild could make a very excellent zelda game next time like they they need yes. they need to make some really good dungeons like that like that's what they need to do like
3: i love breath of the wild but i completely agree i really want to play you know Breath of Fire, Redux, whatever's next.
0: Yeah, like, I want to see where they go with this, and I think we're going to get it out of Metroid. I I think Metroid could go nuts. Like, think about what, with this, with Nintendo being as crazy as they are right now, with a game where you throw a hat onto a T-Rex, and you get to control it in Mario (laughs) Odyssey, and and Breath of the Wild for all of its problems that, you know, I I know, I think Steph and I are outliers, because that game's going to get flowered with praise this year. That game is still an excellent game. Think about them like, what if they're just sitting there going, why don't we just make a whole goddamn planet for Metroid? Like, let's just (laughs) do it. Let's just make a full planet that you can go through in Metroid Prime 4. Like, I want to see Nintendo...
1: Visit all 200 Chozo statues.
0: Oh my god. But like, (laughs) if they i want to see him narrow the focus down a little bit like traditional dungeons in zelda games are a lot of fun and that's where most of the enjoyment comes out of and i find it so weird that the ultimate high point for a lot of zelda games is not present in breath of the wild now i'm, I'm sure somebody can make the argument of oh the entire world is the dungeon but like yeah but all you're getting is a piece of heart or a stamina burst from everything that you do in that game, and that's, but meanwhile there are those shrines that give you like the climbing gear, which is essential. And I wish that the game funneled me toward those instead of just oh, I beat another shrine to get another piece of shrine, whatever the uh, shrine orb, and I still have to get three more before I can get an upgrade.
1: That, that's why I, I think the nonlinearity in uh in link between worlds was so strong because they they controlled what your first three dungeons were. Yep. And they did and they did that to introduce the mechanics and um and get people very comfortable with everything that they were that was that they were capable of. And then in the second two thirds of the game, they just drop you into this beautiful in more challenging, more more nonlinear uh open Zelda game that is like a better version of the best parts of a link to the past. Yeah. I I I think I I really, really like um a Link Between Worlds and I kind of um, just talking about it. Kind of makes you want to replay it now, but yeah, the, uh,
0: I'm feeling you too.
1: <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, 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 there's like there's something appealing about total nonlinearity, but also there's weaknesses when they commit to that total nonlinearity. And there's I, I mean, I, I'm I'm just rehashing what you've already said. But there's got to be a happy medium that they can find with the next big Zelda game that I that could make it really really awesome.
0: Yeah, if if they just took all the mechanics of Breath of the Wild and then put it into a Zelda game, which had you know, structure maybe is the wrong word, but a little bit more of a point, or a little bit more. I mean, I, for people to complain about Skyrim dungeons, where you go into a dun- you go into a dungeon in Skyrim and you get a piece of armor that's, you know, less than what you're wearing. I mean, that that is kind of a lot of Breath of the Wild too. So I don't really.
1: Would you say Skyrim is more or less aimless than Breath of the Wild in terms of the non-linear content?
0: Man, that's that's really tough. Which one has more of a narrative focus or narrative thrust? Well,
3: like I don't definitely storytelling was not the focus for Breath of the
0: Wild, right? No, but I I think that at the very least, the the thing that I can say in Breath of the Wild's defense is when you get one of those shrine orbs, it does make you stronger. And the whole point is to make you strong enough to beat the final boss. So I I do like that perspective of the game. I like the fact that you're doing all these things to make you stronger. So for the final battle, you don't get your ass kicked and die in one hit. But... I didn't find... Like, those shrines had very interesting mechanics sometimes. Other times, they were those trials of strength things that they could just take those out of the game, as far as I'm concerned. Like, that's, again... It never
3: changed. That was so weak.
0: Yeah, that was weak. Some of the dungeons were just not fun. Like, Like, some of the mechanics were just not fun. They're all palette swaps. I think... In short bursts, I maybe enjoy Skyrim a little bit more because at least when I'm using the mechanics of Skyrim, I'm I'm leveling up by, like, sneaking or by doing uh, magic attacks or one-handed attacks. Like, I'm constantly leveling up. So that at least when I walk out of the dungeon, I've gained a few skill points. Whereas I think Breath of the Wild, like... Yeah, some people are going to be really, really excited. I know if Steven was on this show right now, he'd be yelling and screaming at me that like all those puzzles are worth the price of admission alone. But there wasn't see, enough of Steven has point. strong
1: feelings about the things he likes, though.
0: <laughs> yes, he does. And I totally respect that. And I'm the same way about the things that I really like. So I see where he's coming from. But some of that, like, oh, I did this really neat puzzle in Breath of the Wild, and all I got for it was this T-shirt. Like, that... Group, <laughs> Like, that that bums me out a little bit, and I just think Breath of the Wild needed a little bit more incentive. It needed more of the stuff like the climbing gear. Like, if, if they went down to 50 shrines and every one of those shrines had a piece of equipment at the end of it, I would have totally been down. Like, that would have been cool. Like, oh, here's the shrine that gets you a a, a headpiece that... Uh, you need for this one area later on in the game. Like, that would have been really, like, not necessary, but helpful. That's the part of the game that would have been really cool. I also think, in the game's defense, those, the traversal pieces were like, you have to get through the hot area of the game, and so you need to find like the way through that path to get to Mount Hyrule. That uh, was you where
1: you need to find the various suit. I
0: understand. Yeah, you need to find the various suit. Like that was the really, really high point of Zelda for me. So I hope that, and, I, and this is one of the reasons I'm very excited that the Metroid game is being done by an internal Nintendo studio. I really hope they look at Breath of the Wild and the things that that game did well, because I think you can make a really kick-ass Metroid game with a little bit more focus. So like you're not just going like now you'd be getting an energy tank like, and that's, that's very useful in a Metroid game. So like make it. So there's maybe less content and more meaningful content in Metroid. So, yeah, you know, breath of the wild's great, but it is a little aimless in certain places. And Steph, I wish I had had you on the show when Derek and Steven were like, ready to fight me over breath <laughs> of the wild and how much.
3: <laughs> I loved it. Like you, but yeah, I, I can't look, overlook the flaws without mentioning them and bitching.
0: Yeah, it's. It, and anybody that says that that whole rain mechanic and climbing is a good thing can just go to hell.
3: Oh, I actually but, like that, so. No, no, <laughs> no. You can,
0: you can just go to hell. Like, that, that's just the part where, like, I put the controller down and say, well, I guess I'm just not going to play Breath of the Wild for, like, five minutes. Okay, because
3: oh, it's too easy to just climb over everything. And, that, and that's essentially what I did. I barely fought anything in that game. I just climbed over mountains. Well, oh,
0: because fighting in that game sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I hate to say it, but, like, I think the arrow shooting's really good. I wish, th- I wish there was Aeros more Arrows were great, that. but
3: honestly, it, it, basically what it comes down to is the whole durability thing just completely ruined it for me. Yes, it does. It really everyone
0: does. Re- everyone
1: rejoiced when they got rid of the durability crap in Fire Emblem. And now Zelda's adding it to their formula, and who wants that? Honestly, yeah, I did not rejoice for that in Fire Emblem. <laughs> oh, really,
0: <laughs> Jesse, Jesse's oh, a curious I was,
1: I was so happy that bronze swords don't break anymore, and only like the best weapons do. Really? I thought, man, I thought that was like, the biggest problem with old school Fire.
0: Get him, Jesse. Get him.
2: <laughs> no, they made it. anyways. And I'll say about on the task at hand, Breath of Breath of the Wild, like. I haven't played it. I don't have a Switch or a Wii U. And part of the reason is because Breath of the Wild doesn't really seem that interesting to me. Like, I feel like I can, like, I've heard all of your critiques. And, like, there there aren't those really well-crafted, well-constructed experiences in the same way as other games. So I feel like it would just kind of get old after a while, after you kind of got used to the exploring.
0: Yeah, yeah. That That's how I felt. I mean, I had 40, 50 hours of really – well, I'll, I'll say I had 10 hours of amazing, holy crap, this is so open, and I'm blown away by it, followed by like 30 to 40 hours of, yeah, I'm kind of just doing enough of this until I feel like I'm done. Like It was funny when Steph picked up my Switch. She was like, oh, you didn't do this, 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 and this, and I was like, yeah, because I was kind of done. Like, well, I, I mean
1: – with Skyrim and Breath of the Wild I think that you can sort of get as much as you want to get out of it like when you start feeling fatigued by chasing after korok seeds and shrines you have the uh the path to the final boss and beating the game in front of you right yeah which so is really
0: cool I I, I which,
1: like and people have been talked to this to death cuz this game's been out for months now but it's uh, I think that it's it's good that you can play it for as long as you want to play it but uh I mean I mean we all, I mean a lot of us have the instinct oh we should try and do everything but maybe don't but maybe we get fatigued on Breath of the Wild too early so that instinct to try to do everything sort of you know uh, diminishes how much we like the game yeah. Is it, is uh, that, am I making sense?
0: No, I, I think you I actually are. haven't
3: beaten it yet. I've done, I did more than raw, but I still haven't beaten it. So that's kind of funny.
0: <laughs> I think <you're, laughs> I was actually really pissed off because the final boss, you need to know how to do the shield deflection thing, and I had never done it. So like, I died on the the final boss one time, and then had to go to YouTube and figure out the timing on that doesn't, shield block. Doesn't
1: every single Zelda game since Link to the Past have a shield deflection or sword deflection end game boss encounter?
0: Yeah, yeah but I use I use the tennis I, I use the tennis I use the uh, the bug catching fly net in a link uh, to the past because I'm <laughs> awesome. Uh, <laughs> no, but it it just kind of sucked because like this was a thing I had not done in the entire game, and now the game is horse-whipping me because I didn't actually do it. Like that that to me felt kind of crappy. It was it was actually very similar to uh, the game that Steph's going to play, which is Dark Souls, where like if you did not learn how to counter like the final fight with gwyn in 1.0 version of dark souls was just not fun because it was like oh i've never had to counter and here's this boss this final boss of the game that if i know how to counter he's really easy otherwise i'm going to have the worst experience of my life he's a lot yeah. easier now he's he's much much easier now but Maybe uh but, can but just get good yeah, yeah, or I could you just did. get good, like the internet tells me. No, I, I I think Breath of the Wild is super admirable, and it's going to show up on, like, everybody's best game ever list. But I, I still maintain what I've said on a couple podcasts now. I think in in a few years, like maybe in a year or two, that's when you'll start having the really interesting conversations about Breath of the Wild. Where the Zelda like,
3: cycle yeah, continues. Yeah,
0: I'm sorry, but it is the Zelda <laughs> cycle. Do you guys remember when Skyward Sword was apparently the best Zelda game ever made? Do you Don't guys remember that?
1: It didn't. Didn't Reggie say that he didn't think Skyward Sword would be would be topped by anyone for a, for years or something? Yeah, like come
0: on, like I and and like I was there for the Twilight Princess backlash when like everybody except Jeff Gersman, who gave it the eight over at Gamespot and nearly got killed for it.
1: It wasn't I, even that he was like it was like an eight point four or something. Yeah, but, but people, like he almost got just... murdered
0: for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like I was there when like the one of yours guys were saying that Twilight Princess was the best game ever made, and then like six months later, people started saying they didn't really like it. I was there when people said Skyward Sword had amazing combat, and then everybody said, no, the Wii motion controls kind of sucked. It is the Zelda cycle. It it is the opposite of the Sonic cycle.
1: Yeah, um, Gersman gave Twilight Princess an 8.8. Which, oh, what a bastard! And, and people were people were mad about that, which is basically just everyone on the internet is just a giant baby once they have uh, anonymity and no consequences.
0: Right, and Jim Sterling, I think, gave Breath of the Wild like a seven or something, which you know, I. I totally agree with him on his review i mean jim and i were the only ones who really spoke out against dishonored 2 when everybody was losing their mind over that game which by the way the the dlc for dishonored 2 actually looks way more interesting than vanilla dishonored 2 so maybe that's where all the creativity went but like there is a cycle with gaming and you can't have fair criticism if the second somebody criticizes the game you immediately want to shut them down and say no you're wrong Like, I invite criticism. Like, the people that gave Dark Souls 1 bad reviews, like, I read those criticisms. And you bet your ass that From Software read those criticisms to make a better game after that. Like, that's how you make better games. And if we just keep telling Nintendo, no, you're good, you've done everything perfect, how are you going to get a better game? Like, they listened to people when it came to the linear ass design of Skyward Sword, and they made Breath of the Wild in response to that, which was a real net positive. Now, did they maybe still get some things wrong along the way absolutely i think they did and they can make a better game next time breath of the wild 2 or whatever the hell they want to call so, it
1: but are you, are you a little worried that breath of the wild 2 or might just literally be a breath of the wild 2 with would that that's a little too similar to breath of the wild because because of this lack of uh, a, a lack of sort of blanket criticism
0: i, I think from Actually, I th-
1: yeah, you know, you, that, that's a good that's a good counter example, Steph. Thank you.
0: Right, and and I think that could actually lead to like the Metroid Prime one or two problem, where Metroid Prime one was amazing. I really don't like Metroid Prime two at all. I think the the light and dark world stuff and that thing is just obnoxious and very very uninspired and unintuitive. It's not fun. I think and, with uh, a- the opposite oh. of that, which is like my favorite example of a of a uh, um
1: of a game studio listening to criticism are the first three uh, Prince of Persia games on the PS2 era. Oh my God. The the first one was had this great storytelling and great tone was awesome, but the combat was terrible. So the second one had a much darker tone and worse story, but the combat was really interesting and fun. And the third one literally combined the two versions of the Prince from the first two and kept the good combat and the lighter tone, whatever you, like switching between the two different princes yeah. So when you see a studio respond to criticism and have it reflected by changes to their sequels is uh is 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 very heartening to me and and um i, I don't know like uh I, I want to think that uh nintendo's gonna look at every weakness in breath of the wild and have the next zelda game uh re- reflect you know Reflect those criticisms, but maybe there isn't. Maybe it was too praised. I I, I don't know. We're, now we're getting into some real weird speculative stuff here.
0: No, I I can see what you're saying. And by the way, I I remember playing the demo for Prince of Persia: Warrior Within, uh-huh. and when the girl showed up with a thong, and then yeah. and uh, then yeah, the, the prince went lady in red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the prince went, "You bitch!" I was just like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What 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 in the hell happened here?" I think what Breath of the Wild two has is one, the durability's gone. I I firmly believe that that is out the window and it's going to be one of those things where like the people that defended it are going to feel really weird when Nintendo's like, yeah, we got rid of that because people didn't like it. And I, I would say the next game has traditional Zelda dungeons. I think it'll still have shrine E things, but I think the next game will have traditional Zelda dungeons. Cause that's, that's my biggest criticism on the game is like those four dungeons are a poor substitute for anything that came in the 3D Zeldas. Like, they're just not... They're incredibly well-crafted because when you think about it, you have to play them at any point in the game, which is really unique, but they're not interesting. And you do the same tilting mechanic with all four of them, which is really damn lame. Like, that that's basically doing the Ice Temple four times. Like, that's not cool. And if any other Zelda game did that, you would hope people would complain. But I, I think there will be valid criticism of Zelda coming down the line. I don't think we get another Zelda game for another five years. Uh, it might not even make it to the switch. Uh, uh, they have time. I would oh, like, I, hope th- that. I would like to see them really take what they've learned here and roll it into Metroid. And I think they can really do that. And the, the dream
1: is a whole 2d Metroid planet. Oh, God. Oh. Remember, and maybe and maybe towards the core the uh, gravity changes and it rotates a little bit so that you're staying upright and the whole you know layout of the of the world is affected by your position relative to the core. I need a cigarette.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think Mike just took care of me for a while. so Anywho. Anywho. <laughs> moving away from Zelda and Metroid. Uh, Jesse, you played in a little near automata. Correct? No, God, that game is good. How is
2: like how is that game so good? I don't <laughs> no. I love I love the
3: rare occasion where I can boot up a game and expect to feel really bad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and get super sad.
0: Well now so... I, I wanna ask because they, <laughs> everybody if we were just talking about the Zelda cycle, I've heard a serious near cycle where everybody starts it and they're absolutely in love with it then about the midpoint they start to get a little tired of the combat and they want the game to end and by midpoint i mean like around ending three or four and then at the end they're like oh my god that experience was amazing but like where are you right now in the near uh spectrum jesse and then steph i know you've beaten it so i want to get jesse first and then move over to steph
2: um yeah so i'm not i'm working my way through ending two I'm almost okay ending two so if, if So clearly I'm not at the point where I'm like tired of it, tired of the combat or something. I'm not at that, at the trough in the near cycle. Um, (laughs) And you know, I don't, it's hard to talk about this game without spoiling it. Right. Because Mm -hmm. please don't. Yeah.
0: You're going to try to play it. I, I, I'm going to play it. It's just, as Mike has been saying, it's a question of time. And I was really hoping that the steam sale, it was going to come down to like 30 bucks and it only came down to 40. And I am trying to save a little bit of money and I have way too many other games to play. I really want to play it though. I really want to play it.
1: I don't know when I'll ever get to it. I know it's great and I'll probably like it a lot, but I was already into like Nier Automata took me totally by surprise when people, so many people loved it and it got such positive reviews. Not because, I mean, not because I wasn't expecting it to be good. I just, it just wasn't really on my radar, but now that it is, it's, you know, on my radar along with dozens of other games. So I don't know if or when I'll ever get to it.
0: Jesse, I didn't mean to cut you off there. So keep going with your, with your near talk.
2: Yeah. um, So I was just saying, I I don't want to spoil anything. I think people know that there are multiple endings and you have to play the game multiple times to get, those multiple endings um, and it's so i've i've heard that sort of later playthroughs are very different and so that might be that might be sort of what contributes contributes to it like so basically the first two playthroughs are very they're similar um, so it might be like by the time i'm done with that i'll be like yeah i like i want something new and then they feed me something new, which I don't know. Step they like you can.
3: Um, first you can gameplay is really really good. Second one gets pretty tedious because it's a lot of the same content. Yeah. Uh, the third and fourth are significantly shorter but much much more different. It's a really, really cool game. Like I said, there's very few games out there that actively try to go out of their way to make you feel bad about everything happening. Uh, The game is really good at making you understand, like, you know, different concepts of love and relationships and what it is to live, and then it has a beautiful way of. Destroying all that goodwill and good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, uh, the music, of course, is absolutely phenomenal, and the game does a really good job doing sort of uh, uh, ambiance in their a lot of their soundtrack pieces. Uh, they also work in a little bit of eight bit into it in a very interesting way, um, and it's really cool. The gameplay is a bit repetitive, especially after a while, because the enemies just aren't really that interesting. Um, but it's still more than enough to take you through the entire game to have a really good experience with it. Uh, One of my favorite things that's, of course, back is uh, they do weapon stories, which, same thing, uh, pure Yoko Taro style, and he did it for all the Drakengard games, is that the more you level up a weapon, the more elements of a story you get. It's usually a four-part story, and it's similarly very dark and depressing and usually very ironic. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, I just... I really want to play this game. It's just a question of when and also the people saying that it gets repetitive. I think that's going to be tough on me. I think you can drop the difficulty down at any point, though, right?
3: Yeah. So that's essentially what I did for uh, a part of the second run. I was just kind of yeah. Mm,
0: yeah. And in
3: on. the
2: second run, like, so there are some quests, like, side quests that are shared. But if you complete them in the first run, you don't have to do them again. So... The second one has taken me a lot less time actually because I spent so much time on the first trying to do everything and hit you know do every quest mm. and it I've actually found it it's pretty easy to like pick up and then leave it, yeah, and so
0: you don't have to get sucked in The other issue for me is that I want to play it on p c and that p c version people are still really not happy with it. So I, I'm not sure if I'm going to be one of those lucky people that you know, buys it on PC and it works just fine, or if it's going to be like my experience with some games where it's like, yeah, that game never really played well. So I don't know. I, I think that's part of it. I know Platinum's really trying to do a really good job of uh, their PC releases lately, uh, the Bayonetta Port and Vanquish Port. Yeah. So hopefully they get their act together on Nier, but like I want to play that on PC. It's just that... That PC version, people are not happy about right now. Yeah, so. although I've also
2: heard that a lot of the negative feedback on the PC version is actually Chinese gamer, like in China, complaining that they don't have a a like a Chinese language version.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So they're
2: kind of teasing the reviews a little bit. Uh, that's mm. what I've heard. I haven't, I haven't looked at them myself.
0: I do want to play it. How long, Steph? How long is it going to take me to like see everything in that game? Because if you say over forty hours, I'm going to groan. It's like twenty. Oh, well, for you especially,
3: st- yeah, I think you'd probably get through it. I don't think you would 100% it.
0: Yeah, so like you don't have to, to get those like six main endings, you don't have to 100% it, right? You just play through like. No, and
3: the requirements are really easy, so it's honestly okay. not that hard to get through. It's,
0: it's not like near, like the first near where you have to do all the weapon stories, because that is like. Mm...
3: No, I was able to get it, and honestly, in the last couple of endings, you can get that, like the last two for sure, maybe even three, you can get in like five hours. Oh,
0: okay. Eh, yeah, if might
3: that be. like it's really quick.
0: Yeah, and then I can just turn it down to easy if I get tired of the the combat at some point. But then there's also Pillars of Eternity on my Steam list, and I feel really bad that I still haven't played that. Mike, please yell at me. Please Rob, just-
1: that's that's a very, very good version of one of those games, and you should play it.
0: I know, I know, but I just... That damn boar, I complained about it to the guys at Obsidian at E3. I was like, dude, that boar that you threw at me at the start of that game, holy crap, I hate you. Like, that that thing just annihilated my entire party, and I felt emasculated.
1: I uh, started playing that game out as a paladin, and you basically you choose what... How, what cla- what version of a paladin you are like what god you worship and where you're from yeah. and your stats get better the more paladin like you act in like r- referring to which god you're worshipping
0: i think that's and, uh, they told me to play as a paladin so and, I, might, I might do c- that and
1: also a cipher is maybe the most fun version of a rogue bard sort of like uh Charisma class that I've ever encountered in a Western RPG. Yeah, I because they're, they're basically you know a talky rogue, but you can you can use like um, psychic powers and illusions to influence people, and it's awesome.
0: Would you would you say that over a paladin or?
1: Um, I would say just do whatever one when, when you think sounds clu- uh, coolest, but re- try to recruit all the characters so you can get a feel for how every class plays. Because you, if you recruit all the characters, you get at least one of every class, and um and my favorite uh. Uh, companion was the cipher companion, even though I was playing as a dwarf
0: paladin. Okay, I, I still want to play that game. Just uh, I'm so bad at those CRPGs, though. I'm so bad at them. Like if something goes wrong in combat, I just like throw up my hands and I go, "I don't even know." I don't even know.
1: I mean, it, it's not as bad as playing an old Infinity Engine game, like like uh, like like going back to Baldur's Gate 2 or Planescape Torment. Now is hard because yeah. those were those were always very Challenging uh, combat systems to get your head around, but they Pillars of Return to the softens the blow of that a lot. It's I I in, I only played the first act, so I probably am at the forty five or fifty percent mark, but I enjoyed it the whole time through, and it's got sidetracked by other games.
0: Yeah, I might wait for the uh, Steam Winter Sale to play near. I know that'll be like out of Game of the Year consideration, but I still have Persona Five to play, and then God September's going to get nuts with Danganronpa V three. I do, even though I really, really didn't like Dishonored 2, I want to give their DLC a shot because that looks really interesting. Then we've got The Evil Within 2, which for the love of God, please <laughs> let that be good. Wolfenstein 2 will be awesome, I'm not worried about that. And then Mario Odyssey is going to destroy my life.
1: I've, uh, <laughs> I've hosted a lot of retro encounter episodes in, uh, in 2017, but I on purpose let someone else take care of the game of the month for April just so I could play Persona 5.
0: Yeah, I need
1: to get It's real good, man.
0: I know, I like it. It's just there's something so time-sinky about it. and like,
1: Oh yeah, it's crazy. I, I think I was on the quicker side and I beat it in 92 hours. Yeah, I just... Uh, so many games. So many games. Too many games and never enough time.
0: So uh, last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Jesse, tell me what your thoughts were being on the outside of E3. We would have loved to have had you uh, there, but you know, obviously you're busy as hell with work these days. What, what was E3 like to you this year? The the outsider looking in,
2: you know, it was kind of like a, it was, it was a disappointing for me, I think. So, you know, being in news, we was just focused on trying to get all of the news written as fast as possible. Um and it, it didn't really seem like there was at least in the, the world of RPGs, like there was not that much going on, not that many interesting announcements, like nothing that I'm really looking forward to from them. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I I had heard about how crowded it was, though know, I don't I don't <laughs> empty you that. Um, yeah you know nintendo like blew it out of the water and everyone is is happy about that but again i don't have a switch like it was it didn't generate a lot of excitement for me
0: yeah it it was weird to like see everybody coming back from sony and like colin and i were chilling in the hotel and i was just sitting there going like i thought sony's press conference was bad because like all those games looked good but we knew about every single one of them like there was no giant surprise. Like, well,
1: except- I mean, there was there was Monster Hunter World and the, uh, yeah, and, that- the and the Shadow of the Colossus remake. But it, but I, I agree that um, it was in general underwhelming. And the uh, the lobby with an open bar was more exciting than the conference itself. God damn it! And I- the mini
3: hot dogs. Oh, oh yeah, the, f-
1: mm-hmm. and the, and the mac and cheese bites.
3: Oh, I didn't have that.
1: Yeah, the the, the open buffet and open bar wow. were, really, were really good at the Sony conference. I'm damn. so mad at both of you. <laughs>
3: Why? Oh I, yeah.
0: No! <laughs> uh, yeah, the lobby was supposed to be really good because that would have been a chance to actually like play Nino Cooney two and not have to wait in line or anything. Yeah, like they, that.
1: they had a, they had a lot of the open demos for Sony things uh, at that at in the lobby that uh, were easier to play then because they didn't have lines.
0: <laughs> well, and I wish we had made appointments with the uh, Sony Europe people because they were doing all those. Uh, uh cell phone based games like the one game from the Until Dawn guys that got a lot of really positive press and I'm like
1: Right that's called oh shoot, what is that thing called uh, a
0: Hidden Agenda.
1: Right. That looks and awesome.
0: I, yeah, I really wanted to check that out but they were appointment only and I'm sitting there going like I that's like the most interesting thing to me that I want to see. Not David Cage's it's not exactly it's a it's a <laughs> PS it's but it's a it's a PS four game, but the multiplayer
1: for it is run through a cell phone app.
0: Yeah, and that sounds really, really cool. Way more interesting than Detroit. So, like, I, I don't know. It was just it was next year's E3 is going to have to be really different. And I do hope that if they decide to keep it open to the public, they need to have their public days, like have competitions and stuff, the way PAX does. the The place over by uh, Bethesda that had like all their Twitch streaming, and you could watch uh, Quake. Uh, quake champions like they need more of that and that was very poorly attended i mean if you got a, if they put a bar over there and some of those mini hot dogs like you will get a lot of people coming over to check that out the uh,
1: the, the open air uh, fighting game community show had a live stage where uh, there was fighting game competitions with a different game each of the four days i think it was it was street fighter 5 one day then tekken one day then i think that uh and i think uh Maybe Mortal Kombat X or Injustice Two. I forget. I think it was Injustice Two, third day. But they uh they had competitions and um celebrities playing each other. So I got to see Freddie Prince Jr. wrestle uh play Tekken against a professional wrestler, and that was a very interesting experience. Oh, wow. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> that is
2: weird. And the thing, you know, okay, so that's kind of like cute, right? Freddie Prince <laughs> That's cute. John Cena or whatever. But if like if you're really into esports, like there are other venues, better venues to watch esports. Right. right. Um, like uh,
1: like very soon, Evo will be beginning. Yeah. That
2: that that's the best esports for esports event, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But I'm biased. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that the conference really needs to figure out why it wants to exist and. You know, this is not the first time that they've had to grapple with this. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll see. You know, interesting interesting times.
0: Um, Yeah, I I feel like we don't hear about what their plans are until, like, probably late next year. Like, I, I wouldn't expect us to hear anything about whether it's public until, you know, January. So... I don't know. Maybe maybe they really reform it and make it into something special, but you know, if it, it's going to turn into packs, then just it needs to turn into packs and then it's not going to be about the media and it's not going to be about sales and marketing. I mean, you know, if, if you watch those people that work for these companies, I mean, half of their meetings are about, you know, how many numbers do they ship to Amazon? How many numbers do they ship to EB? Like that's the stuff that's all going on behind the scenes at E3 that's different than the media, you know, getting their hands on games and giving previews. If you want to eliminate that stuff, then okay, that's totally fine. But then you can't even have the illusion that that stuff is still going on. You need to have way more kiosks, you know, that new Donk City thing was amazing at Nintendo, but you need to just have more actual games to play there for the fans and do fan community stuff
1: it makes all the sense in the world to i know i know we've already mentioned this to do the Tokyo Game Show model where they have two public days and then two media days the media days coming first with the, the with each with each day having you know uh the different companies re-strategize to have you know more meetings and more uh journalism focused stuff in the media days and then opening up with more you know gimmicky community events for the public days it it makes all the sense in the world and i think i think the only reason they opened it up to the public was because um too many of the companies were concerned about losing time or money and they're, they're trying to make up some of the money with ticket sales
0: yeah yeah i i'm interested to see what they do next year but right now it's kind of in this weird middle ground of it's not packs but it opened itself up like it was and there's, there also wasn't enough to really justify that. I mean, E3 has gotten smaller every year I've been there. Um, and so there was a lot of empty space. I mean, it, it was kind of weird to see just on the periphery of each hall, like half the hall wasn't being used when you think about it and everything was all condensed and very close in because these like two halls. <laughs> yeah. And, and these companies spend a ton of money to get this booth space. And, you know, the one year with Konami before they sold all theirs, they just had the oil rig from Metal Gear Solid five and no games to play or see like they did. They basically just had like cardboard cutouts around in case they decided to make video games again. So, you know, It was really cool seeing that Shadow of War dragon like that was really impressive, but that's a lot of space that could be used in a better way, especially for fans if you're going to let fans in.
3: Oh so. god, Shadow War is such a boring title. It just totally took me a minute to clue in what that was. I know.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think it does help yeah. a little bit that it's a. I think it's basically a subtitle, right? Isn't it like Mordor, Mordor, Shadow of War or something? Middle Earth Shadow. That's of War. that was it. Yeah, that's it. Which that, is yeah. that softens it a little bit, but I still think it's a terrible title that makes me think of like eight other games.
0: Well, it wasn't yeah. the worst title of E3. That went to Detroit, Become Human, but uh, <laughs> I I think also the the Shadow of Mordor slash War games. I just wish that that wasn't Tolkien. I would play the hell out of those games if they were anything but Tolkien. But something feels – one of my colleagues here is a Tolkien expert. Like, he actually goes and does uh, talks about Tolkien. And, like, he will talk your ear off about all the things that Peter Jackson did right and all the things Peter Jackson did wrong. You you, – man, he will go a long way. But, like, something feels kind of – dirty about those games and I, I can't really think of any other way to describe it but if those were if those were just Dragon Age games like Dragon Age spin-offs I would play the crap out of them but it feels it feels really weird to play this Batman Arkham style game in a Tolkien world something
1: well I mean I mean orcs and Dragon Age are a very different thing on their own as well but uh, I but, it's, but 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 I, I agree with you like having the these characters ostensibly be Lord of the Rings orcs and elves feels wrong because it doesn't it doesn't match what Tolkien
0: is at all. Right, and if it just was its own IP or something else, I'd be really into it because mechanically I really oh, like. That's not I, how
3: everything works now. I mean, look at the Jumanji movie; they just wanted oh, to put their name on it. Oh
0: god!
1: Yeah, is isn't, isn't the new Jumanji movie about a video game and not a board game? that was the thing that surprised me the most
3: i guess I just... the difference but the difference is is that i don't think any of us are nearly as attached to jumanji as we are to lord of the rings <laughs>
0: right and so we can let that one <laughs> so, go a little well I mean, with robin williams being gone like there is a little bit of an attachment there oh, but it's, now i'm sad Thanks, i know but, but it's like <laughs> when, it's like when they did charlie and the chocolate factory and you're just like uh if this isn't gene wilder why are you doing this like so I I just wish that Shadow of Wardor or whatever the hell you want to call it just,
3: <laughs> like Mordor. That,
0: that's what it should be. I just wish that, <laughs> that I wish that, that was mechanically something else. Like just another IP. And I know that seems like a very strange thing to want, but I I can't I, I own Shadow of Mordor and I want to play it, but something feels very wrong about that. Maybe I just need to drink more scotch and I'll I'll get into it. I don't know.
1: I think people were generally more accepting of that one than this new one, based on what we've seen of the new one. But
0: yeah, there's also the criticisms going around about the fact that you're basically recruiting people and like mind raping them to take them over and have them join your army. Which, yeah, that's that's probably a little, huh, weird. Like that.
1: That's a that's a choice, I guess. Yeah,
0: it, something about that doesn't feel quite right. So I don't know. I. I wanted to get into that game, but it it looks functionally functionally very cool, and at least it's not another Batman Arkham game, because I'm I'm really done with those. Are they working on a fifth one of those? You know they are. We're working on Spider-Man. It's no like no, well,
1: no 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 it's Insomniac is doing Spider-Man not uh not Rocksteady. I don't I don't think we know what Rocksteady is doing next. But
0: it lo- but Spider-Man might as well be a Batman Arkham game.
1: Okay, that, that uh, that's that's a fair that, that's a fair commentary. Sorry. No, Jesse, I, I I misunderstood <laughs> you at first. <laughs> it, it
0: it is it is uh Spider-Man Arkham City. Like which is cool. Uh, I,
1: I would I, I am actually interested in that game because I I like Insomniac in general. I'm a I'm a big Ratchet and Clank fan. I even I even wrote some thousand word nonsense diatribe on the forums once about ratchet and clank but i mean the game looks action-packed and the web swimming swinging looks cool and if they make a spider-man game where the web swinging is fun then that that's at least something
0: yeah that that takes us all the way back to uh what was it 2001 spider-man 2
1: yeah it was the the ps2 spider-man 2 Adaptation, which I think I think it was a little later than o one. That was maybe like 03 or four. But that that was that's the Spider Man game that people could keep going back to.
0: Yep. yep, yep, yep. So, well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode of Random Encounter. Unless anybody else has other things to talk about. Do
3: we prefer? No? Do we prefer pepperoni or pineapples on pizza?
0: First off, Gordon Ramsay says that pineapple on pizza is an atrocity. So he I agree. He right. he's like right. right. I don't care what
2: anyone says. Oh, you
0: West Coast liberal
2: uh. I'm like <laughs>
1: I don't I don't hate Pineapple on pizza, but I mean, come on, p- pepperoni is like the classic pizza topping, and pineapple does not match up to it.
0: Well, all point. I know is Stephs k- kept getting mad at me for constantly suggesting we get pizza at E3s.
1: <laughs> we <laughs> had <laughs> it twice, and you kept, you kept you kept like suggesting it a third and fourth time. Dude.
0: I will. Eat We're only so there
3: for pizza. five days.
0: <laughs> I will eat so much. I got that breakfast slam thing almost every day there. And that, we was up, we did, oh, that was we did so up, good.
1: We did end up going to that Mexican place four times, but that that also they they love us and that place was great
0: that place was really fun uh this is wonderful. they closed down the pool which made me very sad at our hotel because i like going down there and sitting and writing by the pool
1: i got i went to some
0: we went to some cheap
1: hole-in-the-wall Thai place that gave us such a mountain of food that none of us could finish it
0: it was awesome. i finished it when you brought it back for me i finished it <laughs>
1: no no no, no, it? No, no, <laughs> no that was the, no, that, was the t- that was the chinese place the last night i was talking about the Thai place right next to the hotel
0: oh okay. that, uh, steph
1: steph peter john and i went there
0: Oh, okay, okay. God, I don't hmm. even
1: remember anything. Yeah, it turns, turns out there's a lot of places to eat in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Mm-hmm. But you yeah, it it's definitely fun, and I, I love seeing you guys. I just I, I have to seriously consider whether I go again because this was a frustrating year. But maybe they turn it into something really cool next year. They're they're going do gonna...
3: Magfest or do E3? You must do one or the other.
0: Uh, I I really want to do Magfest because that way Solosi will get those ridiculous pizzas again. <laughs> <laughs> And then we'll have another yeah. we'll have another eternal game of of Uno that just goes I cannot off.
1: <laughs> we played, I can't believe we played one round of Uno for forty five minutes that seems impossible but that, we did it
0: that wasn't right that wasn't right we we probably could have ended that game like three times and we didn't realize it so anywho anywho uh, thank you everybody for listening to the podcast for Mike Steph and Jesse thank you all for listening and we will see you later woo. Stop it. Nobody likes wild arms. That's I a lie, like I didn't it. know it. Yeah. All right.
1: I okay, go. okay, okay. I think we're done. I think we're done. <laughs>